Hey, everybody, get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. We stand and defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers' union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.com. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.com. Hey everybody, it's Suzanne Gallagher. I've been sharing with you a white paper published in March of 2019 titled K-12 Education as the New Age Nanny State, written by Karen Ephraim, MD, and Jane Robbins, JD. A link to their document is provided in our podcast notes. And today's episode is titled Part 4, Social Emotional Learning, Political Manipulation, for social justice. The most recent federally driven experiment in public education is the Common Core State Standards Initiative, which produced K-12 standards that were released in 2010 and adopted by most states in an effort to qualify for federal race to the top funding. Despite promises by proponents that Common Core would be academic and rigorous, documentation from the United States Education Department, or USED, and many national stakeholder groups, including the Collaborative to Advance SEL, or CASEL, demonstrates that a number of the standards would be used not for academic advancement, but for psychological training of children starting at a young age. Among many examples are the following two, one from CASEL and one from the National Association of State Boards of Education. Quote, National model standards often contain elements of social and emotional learning. For example, 42 states and two territories are in the process of adopting the Common Core Standards in Math and English Language Arts, which contain standards on communication, especially speaking and listening, cooperation skills, and problem solving. Various elements of SEL can be found in nearly every state's K-12 standards framework and in the Common Core State Standards for the English language arts, unquote. A significant number of common core standards contain the type of SEL elements referenced in these two quotes. The following example comes from the English language arts, ELA, standards in writing for second grade students. Write narratives in which they recount a well-elaborated event 
or short sequence of events. Include details to describe actions, thoughts, and feelings. Use temporal words to signal event order and provide a sense of closure. This standard expects second graders to understand their own thoughts and feelings, as well as those of others around them, and to understand and demonstrate the sophisticated psychological concept of closure, while they are still learning to read. Nancy Orm of the Anchorage School District cited this standard as corresponding to socio-emotional learning standards for self-awareness that require students to demonstrate awareness of their emotions, recognize and label emotions or feelings, and describe their emotions and feelings and the situations that cause them, or triggers. Apparently, second graders are expected to demonstrate socio-emotional skills that elude many adults. A federal report on certain aspects of SEL also demonstrated that SEL and Common Core are closely and intentionally intertwined. In national policy, there is increasing attention on 21st century competencies, which encompass a range of non-cognitive factors, including grit. And persistence is now part of the Common Core Standards for Math. The Common Core Math Anchor Standard referenced in this quote, requires K-12 students to make sense of problems and persevere in solving them. One educator described this standard based on CASEL criteria as a psychosocial skill for responsible decision-making that includes problem identification and problem solving, evaluation and reflection, personal, social, and ethical responsibility. There are numerous examples of developmentally inappropriate common core standards for math that actually create emotional stress instead of improving the social-emotional health of children. But that's a topic for another paper. The final Aspen Commission report also admits the connection of SEL to common core, highlighting the Mindset Scholars Network that seeks to build insights from motivational research into instructional materials aligned with college and career-ready standards. Because SEL is so prevalent in the Common Core standards, it is similarly infused into Common Core-aligned curricula. Many such curricula emphasize not just the SEL of identifying and controlling one's own emotions, but the more political SEL of learning how to manipulate others' emotions to achieve a goal. One example is the first grade English language arts curriculum, Voices, approved for use with the Common Core in Utah. Quote, In the Voices democracy theme, students use their voices to advocate solutions to social problems that they care about deeply. Assuming that six-year-olds care deeply about social issues, they are involved in learning the following theme related social knowledge and skills, social role models, social advocacy, 
and respect for each other. Tell students when they write a call to action, they should include emotional words to get readers to feel so strongly about a problem that they want to do what is being asked of them, unquote. This curriculum goes far beyond helping first graders get along with their peers and delves them into political manipulation. It's never too early, apparently, to use SEL to create little community organizers. And I might add here, as the reader, a reminder that first graders are six years old. An Education Week article discussed how SEL is being infused into academic subjects to motivate students toward political action. Given that this article was published in 2017, presumably these lessons are aligned to the Common Core Standards for use in most public school classrooms. SEL proponents enthuse that a reading or math lesson can teach students to see their personal challenges as part of a wider struggle, where people work together to bring about change, what these teachers call social justice. A noteworthy example is an online math course used in high school. It's that sense of control that math teacher Kelly Bowles wants to impart to her students in her statistics class at Betsy Lane High School in rural eastern Kentucky. Bowles also co-leads a Teach for America-sponsored online course on the edX platform called, quote, Teaching Social Justice Through Secondary Mathematics, unquote. She teaches students to respond rationally to data that provokes strong emotions without immediately responding with arguments. She does so by having them focus on the wider implications of data. It's making math relevant, but the ultimate goal is to get kids to start asking certain questions of the data that ultimately could lead to civic action. Frederick Hess and Grant Addison of the American Enterprise Institute similarly confirmed that the teaching of Common Core English and math lessons has taken a hard left turn into social justice and identity politics. The Standards Institute, hosted twice annually by New York-based Unbound Ed, provides standards-aligned training in English language arts, mathematics, and leadership. What differentiates Unbound Ed is about how it slathers its Common Core workshops with race-based rancor and junk science, and the snapshot it provides into the ongoing transformation of, quote, school reform, unquote. Hess and Addison vindicate parents in their concern about the indoctrinating nature of Common Core and by association, SEL. Ironically, Unbound Ed helps validate some of the most far-out conspiracy theories that have been spun about the Common Core Unbound Ed was born of Engage New York, an entity supported by millions of dollars in Obama-era race-to-the-top funds created to provide Common Core curricula for New York's classrooms. In 2015, Gerson 
and several colleagues left Engage New York to start Unbound Ed, seeking to train educators how to teach Common Core reading and math. Once upon a time, Common Core critics were roundly mocked for fearing that the reading and math standards would somehow serve to promote sweeping ideological agendas. Today, Gerson and her team are doing their best to vindicate these concerns. Such politicized curricula are to be expected, given the agendas of so many private organizations pushing this manipulation of mindsets. CASEL's partnerships and funding show a distinct political tilt. CASEL is funded partly by the federal government's Institute for Education Sciences, or IES, and partly by a range of liberal foundations. Among these are the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which promotes socialized health care and bemoans the effect of climate change on health and equity, and the 1440 Foundation, which pushes Buddhist mindfulness techniques and raises alarms about climate change. Another major funder of CASEL is the Novo Foundation, which seeks to use SEL to play a significant role in shifting our culture of systemic inequality and violence toward a new ethos that values and prioritizes collaboration and partnership. Novo's founders make funding decisions to change systems that are based on domination, competition, and exploitation. Obviously, they assume that the United States uh, is guilty of all three. Presumably, they think Castle and SEL will help them overturn these exploitative systems. The Robert Wood Johnson and Novo Foundations are also prominently involved in funding the Aspen Commission. This is also true of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the world's most generous funder of Common Core-related education initiatives, and the Carnegie Corporation, a funder of progressive education causes for many decades. The Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, which was touted as returning educational autonomy to the states, in fact, contains myriad provisions that cement federal control, or at least influence. One education component strongly pushed by ESSA is SEL. ESSA contains multiple provisions that affect early childhood standards and curricula, and those provisions encourage and, in some cases, mandate inclusion of SEL. For example, Section 1112 of ESSA provides that any district that uses the Title I funds for early learning must comply with the Head Start performance standards. In addition, ESSA is replete with provisions requiring coordination with Head Start programs. Section 1111 requires that mandatory state education plans align with 11 different federal statutes, including the Head Start Act. Section 1112 provides that to qualify for a sub-grant under ESSA, a local school district must complete an education plan that, like the state plan, aligns with the Head Start Act. 
In addition, the $250 million preschool development grant program continues the efforts to expand federal early childhood education with its significant SEL component by aligning them to Head Start with its SEL standards and the Child Care and Development Block Grants, which promote SEL and QRIS. ESSA encourages SEL in more than just early childhood programs by pouring money into a wide array of initiatives based on SEL. These include Title I funding for counseling, mentoring, and mental health services, for school-wide tiered support services for students, for home visits by bureaucrats, and for dropout prevention services. Title II funding for training school personnel in school readiness, learning readiness, and when and how to refer children with or at risk of mental illness. And Title IV grants for school-based counseling and for mental health student engagement, relationship building, and similar programs, including those in 21st century community learning centers. ESSA language urges school officials to cast a wide net for special education and school-wide intervention and support programs, allowing schools to sidestep parental consent requirements for formal evaluations. We consider this especially dangerous. These SEL-related programs are frequently directed toward children who are deemed at risk of academic or social problems without ever defining at risk or specifying who will be making this determination. The wide net approach is especially true of the positive behavioral intervention and supports program or PBIS. PBIS is a tiered program that begins with monitoring attitudes and behaviors of the entire student population and advances toward intensified interventions as the staff determines children need more help. PBIS was originally included in the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, to try to resolve academic or mental SEL issues of at-risk students short of a full special ed referral. But ESSA expanded the program school-wide. Despite claims by proponents that PBIS is evidence-based or research-based, the Federal PBIS Technical Support Center admits that school-wide PBIS is in its infancy and that all of PBIS is quite experimental. That same support center also admits, quote, because the roots of PBIS are in applied experimental analysis of behavior, the evidence for PBIS at this time is primarily derived from single-subject designs, unquote. That's reassuring, isn't it? In other words, there are no controlled trials involving large numbers of students to know if the concept really works. Nevertheless, PBIS is embraced uncritically in the public educational realm, even 
the Federal School Safety Commission has recommended it as a means to prevent school violence. The literature on PBIS includes little to no discussion of how the universal or at-risk behaviors are chosen, what sensitive, personally identifiable information is collected on children for the various tiers, how children's attitudes, values, and beliefs are modified, and what outcome data is included in the children's lifelong data dossiers. Also, the phrase parental consent rarely, if ever, appears on PBIS explanatory websites. Another feature of ESSA that incentivizes SEL appears in the accountability provisions. While school accountability under No Child Left Behind was heavily focused on test scores, ESSA broadens that to include non-academic factors. These may encompass indicators of school quality or school success that are valid, reliable, comparable, and statewide. And that may include measures of student engagement, school climate and safety, and any other indicator the state chooses that meets the requirements of this clause. States must submit to the United States Education Department a state education plan that details which of these descriptors will be included in school accountability analyses. All these descriptors can refer to aspects of SEL. Nevertheless, as of this writing, no state plan had taken advantage of these provisions to explicitly include SEL. But SEL proponents though admitting that SEL measurement is not ready for prime time, have expressed determination to forge ahead with SEL implementation in as many states and schools as possible. In summary, in numerous ways, such as funding opportunities and compliance mandates, ESSA incentivizes public schools to expand programs deeply into the realm of SEL. Beyond ESSA, at least three other federal initiatives are designed to monitor children's attitudes and beliefs. One is the recent revision of the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP. The test referred to as the nation's report card to assess mindsets and school climate. A pre-test survey taken by all participating students will explore core student characteristics, including grit and desire for learning as well as such factors as self-efficacy and personal achievement goals. This revision has been challenged not only on constitutional and privacy grounds, but as a violation of federal law. Specifically, Assessing social-emotional characteristics in NAEP violates NAEP's governing statute itself, which forbids tests that evaluate or assess personal or family beliefs. The governing statute requires that the assessment objectively measure academic achievement, knowledge, and skills, which the new SEL-based survey questions manifestly do not but the unlawful revision has been made and continues to be implemented. A second effort is the authorization of federally controlled and funded social-emotional research in the proposed Strengthening Education Through Research Act, or CETRA. 
a bill that would reauthorize the Education Sciences Reform Act. CETRA is strongly supported by individuals and organizations that would benefit from the availability of such sensitive research data on students. Because Senate approval of the bill in December of 2015, without debate, prompted an outpouring of citizen objection, CETRA has, as of this writing, not been reintroduced in either chamber of, since 2015. This detailed information explains, at the very least, why state governments are fixated on passing laws requiring invasive surveys of public school children. I mentioned earlier, federal law forbids any government entity from administering a survey without written parental consent. We have forms on our website giving parents the right to opt out of any survey. It is blatantly obvious to me federal overreach into our public schools has to be stopped. Join me next time as I continue our report on social-emotional learning. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. Please forward this to your friends. Do you know any parents who don't have any time to read lengthy emails? That's what the podcast is for. You have complete control over your access to this information. And you can share it. Share, share, share. Please send it to your friends and invite them to subscribe to Parents' Rights Now. Don't forget to register for the Northwest Safe School Summit featuring Walt Heyer, Heidi St. John, Bernadette Broyles Esquire, and Rebecca Friedrichs. Check out events on our website. Parents' Rights in Education is a tax-deductible, non-profit organization. We rely solely on your contributions. Help stop sexualization of our students in public schools. Together, we can do this. See you next time to learn more about parents' rights now.